All right, we are a couple of weeks, over a month now into the season, so let's ask the question. Are the Sabres bad? Coming up on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including, by the way, on our YouTube channel where you can watch the show, like, and subscribe us there. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. All right. Not a fun show to do. We are coming to you after another loss by the Sabres, this time a uh, Big deflator at home against the Boston Bruins. You probably could have saw this coming. Boston now 12-1-2 on the season, including 6-1-1 on the road. The Sabres drop below 500 on home ice. 4-5 at home, 7-8-1 on the season. We'll get to some injury updates, some positive, and one big negative to Tage Thompson. But the update we had on Tage Thompson on Wednesday morning was not as bad as it could have been. So that's coming up. I got a question about Devin Levi to get to, and we'll recap Sabres and Bruins, which we will do here. And again, not fun to do, but it leads us into a question of how good do we really think this Sabres team is 16 games into the season. So in this game against the Boston Bruins, I was there the last two games I've attended in the arena have not been fun games to attend. This Bruins game and then the Flyers game a couple Fridays ago in black and red where they got down 2 to nothing in the first three minutes and the game felt like it was over right from there. Well, here we go in this one. The Bruins get out to a hot start, as a lot of teams have done on the Sabres this year. They score on like their second shot on goal. They score three times in the first period in total. Danton Heinen... Three minutes into the first period, David Pasternak, a minute later at the 409 mark of the, of the first period, Brandon Carlo with five minutes to go in the in the first period, made it three to nothing, and it felt over right there. It felt really over at two to nothing. Five minutes into the game, I'm looking around going like, should I leave this game early? Should I leave this game in the first period? Because it's one, the Bruins, so good luck putting a comeback together on them in particular. And two, this is what the Sabres do. They have all year gotten off to very, very slow starts. And they can't play catch-up like this. I mean, it is one of the biggest reasons I do believe that their goal scoring is down. There are two big reasons. One, they give up the first goal. All the time. They did it in the first couple games of the season. Then they got away from it a little bit. And in recent times, they have gotten back to doing that. So teams are able to play a little bit more of a sheltered game plan against them. They could smother the Sabres offensively, take less chances. And the Sabres then can't play the counterattack game. They can't go off the rush, which they are known to do. They are one of the best teams in the league off the rush. Uh, going back to last year, they can't play off the rush because other teams aren't letting them do it because they're up. Why would they let you do it? They're up one nothing. They're up two nothing. In this one, they're up 
three to nothing. The other reason is the power play, of course. The power play is another big reason why they're not scoring. But I do think giving up the first goal or sometimes the second goal, and in this case, the third goal, is contributing to why the Sabres are not scoring more goals. And that is where I really want to get to on whether or not they're a good team or not through this part of the season. The Bruins then, in the second period, made it 4 nothing. Oscar Steen, 5 nothing with Hampus Lindholm. Victor Olofsson, the king of the garbage time goal, adds two at the end of the second and then uh, at the beginning of the third period. Five to two is your final score. Looking at some of the stats in the game, you know, you can't always read into these too much because uh, a lot of the game was played where the Sabres knew they were going to be down and the Bruins knew they were probably going to win. Sabres outshoot the Bruins 34 to 32. Power play, the Sabres go 0 for 2. Boston 1 for 3. Scoring chances at 5 on 5, 24 for Buffalo, 23 for Boston. Shot attempts at 5 on 5, 53 for Buffalo, 41 for Boston. And the expected goals for in this game, 3.7 for the Sabres, 3.17 for Boston. Again, I don't really want to read into any of that, though, the 5 on 5 numbers, because in this game, Boston knew they were going to win. So they just backed off. They just cruised, played a nice, safe, conservative style of game. They didn't have to take too many chances. So, I mean, the start, the start is the thing. And I think it kind of takes away from the rest of it. So a lot of bad in this game. And Devin Levi lets five goals in and 18 shots. Ukepeka Lukanen came in uh, late in the second period, and he did fine. He did great. He wasn't tested all that much because, again, Boston wasn't doing much once they were up five to nothing. But Levi, you know, not a good night from him. Followed up two very successful starts, a good performance in Toronto last weekend, and then a dominant performance against Minnesota earlier in the week. Follows that up with a stinker against the Bruins. The expected goals for in this game, I mean, just read them to you for Boston, 3.17. Through two periods, it was 2.03. So Levi allowed three goals more than he was expected to allow, which kind of offsets that he had a number like that in the positive remark against Minnesota. So his numbers on the season still look fairly good because he's kind of traded an incredible start with a bad start here back to back. But I got questions about Devin Levi right now. Up and down play. I mean, this is why you don't pin your season on a 21-year-old goaltender to start 50-plus games when it really hasn't happened. Nobody has really done that. They expected Levi to do it. Felt like they were asking him to do it. And this is why you don't do that. Sure, he's got some nice games. He's got some nice moments, but he is a rookie. He's going to have games like that. And he's had a couple already. That was probably, though, his worst start of the season. Will he be that bad every night? Of course not. But, you know, the three-on-one, it's a tough sequence, right? Like, Casey Middlestad comes into the zone. A great play by Linus Allmark. He knows it's about to be a one-on-o or even a two-on-o. He flies out of the net. He pokes it forward. Three Sabres overshoot the puck. And Boston's heading back the other way on a four-on-four on a three-on-one, I should say. And Connor Clifton, the only man back. He kind of gets turned around, doesn't know who to cover. And it goes pass, 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 back to the high slot. And Levi is just, he's off in the corner. Right, He slides way out of his crease, way overruns the play. So that's a sequence where I'd like to think a goalie coach is going to look at that on tape with him and say, listen, I know you like to be ultra-aggressive with your angles, but not on odd man rushes. You can't do that because what you're doing there, especially in a three-on-one, is you are not asking the Bruins player to beat you clean with a nice shot. And 
even on a three-on-one, you can make a Bruins player do that if you play a little more conservative in your own crease. Whereas what Levi does is say, all you got to do is make the right pass, and it's a tapping. And that's what happened on this play. It's the right pass. It's not hard. The guy's open, high slot, and it's a tapping. You got to read the play better there if you're Devin Levi. He allowed a couple of rebounds that I thought were really bad to give up and led to goals by Boston. So not a strong performance from the Sabres netminder, uh, but it got away from them quick, and it wasn't just Levi. Again, this team, how good are they? How good is this Sabres team? Some of the numbers show they're not that good. My eyes are telling me that they're just kind of meh, right? Like, they're not looking like this dynamic, scoring, power, young, fun, dynamic team that they were last year. I mean, that is what gave Sabre fans hope that this core, this group, was on the right track and eventually going to not just be a playoff team, but be a good playoff team, a dominant team in the NHL. And this year, that has all kind of gone away. They look okay. They look fine at times, but they don't look that dangerous. They don't look like that. they're that terrifying. And maybe that is some combination of regression, some combination of they're trying to play a better defensive game. And that is happening, by the way. They are playing a better team defense game. Um and maybe that's contributing to it as well. That they're not taking as many chances. They are more buttoned up, and that's leaving to, leading them being a little bit more conservative. So through 16 games this year, the Sabres and expected goals for at five on five are 24th in the NHL. They are 30th in all situations because their power play has been so poor. So those underlying numbers, 24th in the league. I mean, isn't that kind of how they look right now? Don't they look like they're about the 24th best team in the NHL? That's how they look to me. Um, I'm hoping for better performances from certain players that I'll get to coming back here in a moment. But I'm not in a good place with the Sabres team right now. Because you know what? Like, all right, it's Boston, right? Oh, the, the Bruins are this dominant team. They only have one regulation loss on the season. But you know what? One of these times, just just be great. Don't take the baby steps. It's not, don't have excuses of, well, the Bruins are an elite team. Well, the Hurricanes are an elite team. You know, take the jump. Go be an elite team. If this core is ever going to be a dominant team, at some point they're going to have to surprise everybody and actually do it. And it doesn't appear like it's happening right now. To me, you know, even though it's a high bar to reach and an unrealistic bar, you might, you might say, I'm disappointed. I was hoping for a devil's level jump. The devils went from a bad team two years ago to a great team right away. No in between, no baby steps. No. Oh, now we're pretty good. And now we're good. And now we're really good. And now we're great. It's like year after year after year. You don't have to take baby steps. The devils went from bad to great. They shot right up. And I was hoping that this season, the Sabres would do the same thing, even though they were coming from bad, they were coming from, Hey, they're pretty good. Go right to great. Don't take another stop in between. Just do it. Go be as good as the Hurricanes. Go compete with the Bruins. Go compete with the Leafs. And I know they beat the Leafs. But that's not happening. And they don't look like a team to me that has that in them right now. So, well, that's the core. Whether that's they're still missing certain pieces. Injuries. That could be a part of it as well. Goalie. Definitely a part of it. Goalie is a part of it. They are better in that. But they're still not good. They're still not great in goal. So, all that together. Not in a good place. Maybe this road trip, it's a good time for them to get away, bond as a team, and maybe get off on a little bit of a run here. And if I want to look at the positive end of it, you know, come from a negative place here after they lost 5-2 to the Bruins, uh, they are only one point out of a playoff spot. So 
could it could be worse. It could be Ottawa, for instance, who's like six points out of a playoff spot already. All right, when we come back, the worst thing probably to come out of Tuesday, even more than the loss, Tage Thompson injured. We got an update for you and my thoughts on how they replaced Thompson, both at five on five and on the power play. It's coming back here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. We are presented by the Jace case, Jace Medical. You can check them out at jacemedical.com. Spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up on wins and today losses, who starts and who sits. I'm thankful we have that. And today, I want to chat a little bit more personal thing. Just learn you can get a one-year supply of medications. You realize what that means. Bring on extended travel. Bring on the next natural disaster, supply chain issue. You're covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember, use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer has this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered antibiotic kits. I feel secure now. Prices are lower and than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would love to give the peace of mind by having a year of supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase at jacemedical.com. Back here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. The worst news probably to come out of Tuesday's loss to the Bruins is that Tage Thompson is injured. Thompson, I th- was really fearing the worst in the, fir- the worst in the first period. He gets tripped up. He goes down to the ice. He lands on his right knee, and he was unable to put weight on it. And when that happened, you saw the replay, and I thought, ooh, his leg got a little twisted up there. And you immediately start thinking about the worst case scenario. And of course, what's the worst case scenario when a player can't put weight on his leg after just having his knee twisted up, you start thinking about ACLs, MCLs, you know, major knee injuries that can knock a guy out for an entire season. In my head, I'm like, well, hopefully it's just like a a bone bruise or something, right? He landed on his knee. Maybe he just bruised it and it stings now, but it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. And maybe that's all it was. No, actually, it wasn't that. Sorry, we got the update on this. Granado said after the game that Thompson got cut. So uh, he got he stepped on in that same sequence um, with a player's skate. I believe it was Kevin Shattenkirk, and it cut Thompson. So he went to the locker room. He came back after having that stitched up or whatever, and he looked like he was good to go. Then he blocks a shot and knocked out of the game. Upper body injury. Don Granado goes to the podium after the game, and he says Tage is going to miss significant time. Now, I hear that. The game has just ended, and we're already hearing significant time. Not a, well, let's we'll find out more tomorrow. It doesn't look great, but like we'll find out more tomorrow. Not None of that. Like s- He's going to miss significant time. And when that's where it's left on game night, I'm thinking, man, this could be the season. I don't know what this injury is. But this could be the season. Maybe it's a broken hand. If you watch the replay, maybe you could draw that conclusion. We have to guess because it's the NHL and we don't get to know injuries. So Thompson, we find out this morning, Don Granato with me and Jeremy White and WGR says weeks, maybe more, a little bit over a month, but he said weeks, not months for Tage Thompson. And that, I mean, it's not good news. Thompson's going to be sorely missed and they're going to have a hard time replacing him, but it does feel like a little bit of a sigh of relief because it could have been 
a lot worse. I was really mentally preparing for the idea that he would be out until like March or again, maybe the entire season, not knowing what the injury was, a shoulder or something. I didn't know. Um, so Thompson, weeks, maybe a little bit over a month. Where do they need to replace him? The scoring has not been on the same level that it was last year. Now, maybe that was coming, but six goals, six assists. He had been he'd been good, but he had not been the superstar, unstoppable, highlight reel Tage Thompson that we knew at the beginning, or the midpoint especially, of last year. He also has been an elite penalty killer for this team so far. His reach, he's been good at blocking shots, filling up lanes. He's created chances and scored at the shorthanded goals. So Thompson's going to have to be replaced on the penalty kill as well. That'll be tough, but... In terms of the five-on-five, this is going to come down to Dylan Cousins. Because you know what? Casey Middlestat actually might be the guy that replaces Thompson on his line. Last year, when Thompson missed time and then came back injured, Middlestat hooked up with Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck and was great. Point-per-game player, led the Sabres in points over the final month of the season. He's carried that momentum into this season and has probably been the Sabres' most consistent forward all year long. So I don't really have a worry about Middlestat. Middlestat right now is a dog. And I think he's going to continue to give the Sabres what he's been giving them. So that's good. Let's just put that over here for now, even if he's playing on Thompson's line. Dylan Cousins has had a, a, a tough start to the year. I mean, anybody can see that. He's had some nice games, but he's looked off to me since the beginning of the year, even when the numbers really weren't saying that, the underlying numbers. But recently, you've definitely seen it. and. There's actually a built-in excuse for that. And even Don Granado said it this morning with me. Like, he's been moved all around the lineup. He's been playing the wing even, right, with Thompson and um, with Skinner. He's actually been playing in the same position. There was a game where he was playing periods at a time with Kyle Poso and Zemkis Gjurgensis at center. So they've been moving Cousins all around the lineup. He hasn't really had a consistent home yet. And now that's going to happen because it's going to have to happen. He is going to be one of the Sabres' top two centermen. And maybe Middlestat plays more minutes and is kind of their number one, but Cousins is going to go back to being the number two, or maybe hopefully becomes the number one again as Cousins is out, as uh, Thompson's out. Three goals this year from Dylan Cousins. He's got to produce more offensively. He just has to. And on top of that, I'd like to think he's the guy that's going to take the step up, help in the penalty kill, play more of a defensive role. He's not done that to this point in his career. His reputation has been that because he's a hard worker and he's gritty and he's fast and he's, you know, you think he's got good instincts for the defensive game, but he has not been the defensive player that the narrative or the reputation uh, has, has followed him around with. That would be a nice place to see his game take a step up as well. So more consistent, better overall play from Dylan Cousins, and hopefully you find him a consistent home. If you're going to put middle stat up with Tuck and Skinner, then I like the idea of putting Dylan Cousins then on line two, potentially with Jordan Greenway and J.J. Paterka. Uh, someone's got to play the off wing there, but the Sabres are kind of thin right now when it comes to right wingers. I would not put Victor Olofsson anywhere near Dylan Cousins right now. Um, I wouldn't put Peyton Krebs on the wing with Dylan Cousins right now. I wouldn't put Oposo or Gergensen's up there. I wouldn't put Jost up there. Maybe you could get the Zach Benson back up there again. It's, we'll have an update for you on him in a second. But Paterka and Greenway is the idea in my head that I like uh, for, for Dylan Cousins. But he is the guy to me that's going to have to step up. If they're going to keep winning games or get back to winning games, get into a playoff spot and not let this get out of hand before Thompson comes back, Cousins is the guy that has to step his game up because Middlestat already has done that. 
power play. Maybe Cousins could fit in there as well. What they're going to miss is that one-timer. And maybe you try Olofsson one last time. One last stand for Olofsson on the power on the first power play unit, the number one. Put him on the power play one unit. Give him that one-timer on the right side, which is the opposite side from Thompson. Maybe that could work. But other than that, I don't really love any of their guys and their one-timers for that left side. So I don't know what the answer is on the power play. Um, Cut Paterka would be the guy, though. If you're not going to put Olsen up there, which I don't need to see them do by any means, Paterka is the guy that I would like to see on that uh, on that left side because he has been shooting well. And even though his one-timer is not you know something I think about for him, uh, it's not bad, he's more a guy that walks into the shot a little bit. Somebody that's going to present a... Somebody that's going to present a capability to finish on that side of the power play uh, is a good idea as well, I think, for Don Granado. All right, when we come back, injury update for the weekend. They don't play Winnipeg till Friday, but it sounds like the Sabres are going to get some guys back as Thompson exits. That's coming up here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. And we, as always, are presented here on the show by FanDuel Sportsbook. Check out some of the lines for this weekend. The Sabres are going to be favored in Chicago. Um, I don't know about Winnipeg, actually. They look like they're a pick right now, but we'll see. It's not just hockey. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets and any with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better place to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, plenty more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. Final segment here in the Locked On Sabres podcast. Sabres fall 5-2 to to the Boston Bruins. Next up, Winnipeg on Friday night. The Sabres are getting some players back from injury. That's good timing given that Thompson is exiting the lineup. Let's start in the forward ranks. Zach Benson is back on the ice. He has been back on the ice a couple times now, and he is going on the trip, according to Don Granato. And Granado says there's a good chance that Benson will play this weekend. He has three games left, three games left before they have to make a decision. They'll get to his nine. We're still about a month away from uh, camp starting for Team Canada at the World Juniors. So they'll have to make a call before that, assuming they don't just play him once a week for the next month. So Benson to play this weekend. We'll see if that's Winnipeg or Chicago. Uh, And if indeed that does happen again, I like the idea of putting him up on the top six again with Dylan cousins, but they could probably use him being healthy and providing them what we saw from him in the preseason, because they're going to need some more scoring. And especially in the middle six where they have not gotten a lot of scoring this year so far, Alex tuck, he's aiming for Friday. Um, What's funny, though, is a couple games in a row now, it's like, well, Tuck's going to play this game. Well, Tuck's going to play this game. Um, And he hasn't returned yet. So we'll see. He wasn't – I didn't – I saw the updates. I didn't see his name come up um, in terms of being back on the ice on Tuesday. I should double-check that for you, though, real quick. He'll be a full go at practice on Thursday uh, before the Sabres leave for Winnipeg. So we'll see. Um Eric Comrie is also going on the trip, and he is just about ready to play, according to Granado. He's going on the trip. The Sabres would have to make a roster move to activate him from injured reserve. Um, So if Comrie's going to play on either Friday against his former team, the Winnipeg Jets, or Sunday against Chicago, 
this is a thought I had that I don't know if the Sabres would do it because if they carry three goaltenders, they got to make a move. And what other move are they going to make other than send Ryan Johnson to Rochester, which I think would be crazy. He has been good. He was good again against Boston. One of the few Sabres that I thought had a good night. He's been good. I can't, you can't take Johnson out of the lineup. You can't take Ryan Johnson out of the lineup. That would be nuts to me. So what do you do? I don't have a good answer. Do you wave somebody? Do you wave Olofsson? Maybe now it's time to do that, right? Just to clear a roster spot. I'm, I'm up into that idea. You could send Benson back to the juniors, but I don't think they're going to do that. And I don't like the idea of that either. What do you do? I, I brought this, this up with uh, Paul Hamilton on WGR, and he doesn't think that they would do it. But the idea I had was, well, all right, these next two games, you go Chicago uh, Sunday, or well, I don't know why I order, Winnipeg Friday, Chicago Sunday, and then you're off until Wednesday when you play Washington. What are they probably going to do travel-wise? They're going to go to Winnipeg, they're going to fly right to Chicago, then they're probably going to come home, and then they're going to go to Washington. And I don't know how this works with the CBA, but Sabres had been doing this song and dance for a couple years where they would send a guy to Rochester, even though he didn't really go to Rochester, it was a paper transaction, just so they could open up a roster spot. What about doing that with Devin Levi? I'm not saying go go send him to the Amherst, but he's eligible to be sent down. And if you're leaving for two games, I'm, I'm and again, this is where I don't know about the CBA. If you could put him on the plane, put him on the plane. Again, if he doesn't actually have to go to Rochester, would they consider that cap circumvention or something? You're not even doing it for the cap. Maybe you would. I don't know the rules on that. If not, have him drive there. Fly him on a different plane. Sneak him to sneak him up to Winnipeg. You, you can figure that part of it out, can't you? But Or send him once you're there. You know, oh, well, we did it now. What are we going to send him back? I don't know. You can figure that part of it out. But paper transaction, Devin Levi to Rochester. Because then you can take Ryan Johnson with you on the road trip. And you don't have to send him back to Rochester. Um, and you could still play him. Like, that's that's the idea here is you're still going to play Johnson. Are you going to play Levi this weekend? Because if Cobry's going to play, I assume Lukanen's going to play. Lukanen's played fine, even good. And it's his turn. So those are your two goalies. You got you got your two goalies for two games. Levi, or excuse me, Comrie and Lukanen. So what do you really need Devin Levi on the trip for, I mean, you want him to be a part of the team again. Like maybe that's, that's a critical part of this that I'm overlooking is you keep selling him to stay home for the weekend. And I, the team bonding that you might get going on the road. Maybe he doesn't feel like he's a part of it now. I mean, he wouldn't be. So I get that again. Maybe this would be an easier idea if you can get sneak him onto the plane. Um, even though he's technically in on the Amherst, but that's my idea. Like, would they do that? Maybe they would do that if they were home or something. Um, but that was just a thought of mine because, I don't think he's playing this weekend. So isn't that a place you could figure it out? But I'm not familiar enough with the CBA rules to know what their options would be there. Uh, but Comrie's going on the trip for sure. They could also just not activate him from IR. But th- this is why all of this, all of this, me not knowing the CBA and the, like, we don't have a spot for a seventh defenseman to take on the trip. So if someone gets injured, you're kind of screwed. All of this is why you just don't carry three goaltenders. This is it. Just don't carry three goaltenders. They should have done it. They should have done something in the offseason. Bring in a veteran. Maybe if Lucan and Comrie keeps playing well, you could trade one of them off the roster. But this is why you don't have three goaltenders. Because it gets annoying. And trying to figure out what they should do. How you make roster spots. Who you wave. Um, 
Screw it. I, screw the Levi idea. Just wave Olsen. Right? I did a show on this last week. Time to move on. This guy's not... He scored two goals. Great. In garbage time. He's the king of garbage time. I would move on to Victor Olsen. That would be my move. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will uh, do a mailbag portion of the episode uh, next time. So get the questions and comments rolling on our YouTube channel, in the comment section, or on Twitter at Locked on Sabres. And we will talk to you next time here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. We also have an exciting announcement to get to later in the week on the show. We're going to have a new feature here on the podcast that extends beyond the podcast. And I'm really excited to tell you about that. So come back for that announcement too next time here on the Locked on Sabres podcast with Jody Biasi, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.